Well, welcome to Longhorn Livestream. I'm Bobby Burton uh, with Jerry Hamilton. Jerry and I are going to talk a little recruiting uh, tonight for the Longhorns, talk a little football team action. Uh, uh, the Longhorns uh, getting a player, a player was arrested, uh, it appears. Ishmael Ibrahim uh, is indefinitely suspended from the team. He's a redshirt, sophomore redshirt freshman, I believe, out of Dallas Kimball. Uh, had had some uh, run-ins with the law previously, uh, but uh, this one may uh, be the one that uh, uh, finishes him off in his career at Texas. Uh, I'm with Jerry Hamilton, InsideTexas.com recruiting reporter, as well as on three national analyst, and just a, a good old guy uh, that I've known for 25, 30 years. Uh, Jerry, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Bobby. Just uh, I'm up in Dallas, Fort Worth for a couple more days. Just uh, you know, went and saw Marcus Deal yesterday. Went and saw uh, Malik Muhammad, South Oak Cliff guys yesterday, and I'm, I was. Uh, back on the road tomorrow, going to go see Samaje Burrell, go see John Tay Cook, see a couple of those guys at uh, Texas Commitments tomorrow. Well, I mean, you, you talk about those guys you're going to see tomorrow. Uh, any any guys in particular you're going to watch practice or all those practices you're going to? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll go to one of the practices. Um, you know, I'm actually intrigued to see watch North Crowley a little bit tomorrow because they, they beat – some really good teams this year. They're off to one of their better starts. And uh, so I'm actually interested to see their young kids because they had a coaching change in the spring. And I knew they had some good young kids in that freshman class. And obviously, Samaje Burrell's the leader and the best player. Um, but they they have some other younger kids. I'm intrigued to see if there's any they're going to profile that at Texas, Oklahoma, and then what type level. Let me ask you this, uh, Ishmael Ibrahim, uh, the uh, initial thing, your initial thoughts on that and what it might mean for Texas in their cornerback uh, recruiting. Yeah, it means they have an extra spot. I mean, this is like the third strike, right? This is it, um, I would think. If it's not, I'll be very surprised. Um, you know, he's still wearing that big knee brace in that Tuesday open practice coming off the, the ACL surgery. So, you know, and he's a kid that had a lot of promise. You know, he's a physical kid for a wiry, skinny, 6'1", 165-pounder. He was really a physical kid, and he could run. And, look, there were high hopes for him. Um, obviously, how talented he is is an easy call because, like you said, he'd had a couple of run-ins and was still at the program. So that tells you how highly thought of his talent is. But at some point, it's just not enough. And so that means an extra corner spot's open. And, um, you know, we kind of talked about uh, last time we, we did one of these things about the portal. What positions is Texas going to hit? And it was almost all defensive. And there you go. That adds another spot to uh, that adds another thought to the corner back position in the portal. Yeah, uh, Longhorn Live, this live stream is brought to you by Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans uh, by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, go to www.energytexas.com. Uh, they uh, have energy solutions for you and your home. Um, Jerry, you know, I, 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 we're coming off this loss to Texas Tech, getting ready for uh, West Virginia. Uh, I wrote an article today on Inside Texas talking about uh, the last three losses for the Longhorn, or last two losses for the Longhorns, and how the defense has got off to a very slow start. In both, in all, the last three games they got off to a slow start. Allowed scores in the first two possessions of all three games. Um, Against UTSA and uh, against UTSA and Texas Tech, long drives as part of that. Um, you came up with a stat that you shared with me. 
prior to this uh, interview. And I want you to tell me what that explain that stat to me and say exactly what it was. So um, Sarkeesian at Texas is one and eight versus power five opponents that throw the ball against Texas at least 30 times in a game. Oh, and seven when the starter of those teams throws 30 passes. So say that again one more time. One and eight versus power five opponents that throw the ball against Texas at least 30 times a game under uh, Sarkeesian. Oh, and seven when the starter throws 30 passes. So that means if the ball's in the air a lot against Texas, they haven't won against a power five team. And that takes you straight to, you know, the Alabama game and then big 12 play. I mean, that's what that really takes you to. Um, So one and eight. Against power five teams that throw it 30 times or more against Texas is a scary number because West Virginia is going to throw it a lot. Yeah, they will. By the way, Bobby, anybody that sees all those stats is going to throw it a lot, right? Until the stats change. Yeah, no doubt. Um, That's, that's something we gotta, we gotta look for um, our tendencies and seeing what's going on and how Texas can improve, et cetera. Uh, Their defense certainly has to get off the field more frequently and earlier in games. Uh, obviously, they're going to need to take more more risks than they are now because whatever they're doing right now is is not fundamentally working overall. Uh, even though they are improved from a year ago, uh, it's only it's it's not enough. At least not at this point in the season. Not, um, not, after, not after Saturday. It's not enough. Going yeah, this no. Season, I, I think it was the second consecutive week where we saw Texas get chipped away at uh, by a very rudimentary offense. Right. Um, and um, if the Longhorns can't uh, play to that uh, angle. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be problems because ultimately everybody can run and do what Tech and UTSA tried to do, which are run five yard outs and run up the middle for three yards and get themselves into third and two and then try to convert. You know, yeah. and if Texas can't uh, scheme against that and figure that out, uh, then there, it's going to be a long season. Uh, and I don't. I'm not trying to be gloom and doom here because I think that's not what's nece- necessary or needed. Right. Um, they are improved, but the reality of it is, Jerry, they're they're in bad shape on defense if they can't get people off the field, if they don't have a plan to get them off the field effectively. Well, yeah, I mean, and you look at, you know, when you look at the Tech game, you're like, okay, who else could present that same problem? Nobody's got the 6'4", 230-pound Donovan Smith, but Adrian Martinez – what, look at what Kansas State did against Oklahoma. You know, Kansas. Um, you know, so there's some teams that you should absolutely not lose to that could play to what Texas Tech did against you. And so there's got to be improvements. Like you said, Texas has to be able to get people off the field. If you can't get people off the field, you aren't winning in any level of football. I don't, I don't care what we're talking about, youth league or middle school or high school or college or NFL. You can't get people off the field especially on third down, you're not winning games. All right. Jerry, you were, um, I want to ask a couple of questions that came from the Inside Texas message boards uh, before we came over here today. Uh, And I'm going to start with this um, and ask you a recruiting question. Uh, Update on Deuce Robinson and Damon Wilson. Yeah, uh, Deuce Robinson, we haven't heard uh, when that um, official visit is going to be rescheduled. Um, Checking on that to see date um he i believe he was at georgia last weekend maybe has alabama october 8th so we'll see when that official visit is reset we have not heard a date on that yet damon wilson i think that one's kind of gone right now and by the way thoughts and prayers to damon and his family i mean venice is going to be right 
in the crosshairs uh, of the category four plus hurricane here in the next 12 hours. Um, so anybody, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it, Bobby, Cedric Baxter, Peyton Kirkland, those guys in Orlando, man, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long haul this week for those, all, everybody in the state of Florida, but Damon Wilson, I think that's a become, you know, until, like I said, until there was a visit set up, it's a very long shot. We have not heard anything else that a visit is, is being set up. I, the last I had heard on that was Texas just felt like they were too much of a long shot there. Um, but we'll see. We're going to keep checking on it. And obviously we won't hear anything this week, but we'll keep che- checking on that. But right now it's looking more like Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Miami. Texas, Segway into Texas. this one. Segway into this one. Update on Jordan Hall, the defensive lineman out of Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, Texas still talking to Jordan Hall. That's still a, a visit possibility. I uh, know Bo Davis is – May continuously made contact there, had constant communication with Jordan Hall and the family. They're just trying to work out visit date schedule there. Again, it's uh, Texas going to be battling the same guys. It's Georgia, it's, it's Florida, it's Alabama uh, and Miami there. And those are the battles you want to be on, in on. But Bo Davis has had, they've continued to have discussions um, with Jordan Hall. And so something could get set up there. Got it. Um, what about Malik Muhammad? You just visited with him yesterday. Uh, give folks the update on that one. Yeah, but Malik Muhammad, I'm expecting him at Alabama October 8th for an official visit. That's the weekend that uh, Nick Saban uh, tries to take his revenge on Jimbo Fisher, right? Um, which would, you know, look, Nick would love to beat Texas and Texas A&M for recruiting purposes this year uh, in the state of Texas, there's no doubt. But I, I, my feeling walking away from South Oak Cliff yesterday was Texas still in a pretty good spot with Malik Muhammad because – all the reasons he originally picked Texas, he still aligns with those. I mean, he, you know, look, he's a kid that likes Austin. He likes Texas. He likes the vibe around the university and the city. Uh, his parents had a great official visit and all his family members uh, to Austin in June. Um, so I, I think he'll be back for a game this season. He hasn't been on campus yet. So that's, again, uh, Texas hasn't had him on campus yet. I think they're kind of saving that. They're going to get past that Alabama visit. I think it's kind of smart recruiting. You know, because obviously Malik couldn't get to the Bama game. Um, but, you know, you save that one until later in the season, let him get to that um, Alabama visit, get through that, and then get him back on and his family back on campus. Texas A&M making an official visit. I just don't think he's going there. It's recruiting could happen, sure. But I just – that's not the direction I think this is going. I think it's a Texas-Alabama fight, and I think Texas knows Alabama is their fight. Um, all the way to December, he's an early enrollee. Um, Alabama is not going to give up. He's one of the top five corners in the country. Uh, they were on him for a reason. They had him on campus for a reason. Nick Saban gave him a lot of personal attention. Uh, so now it's up to Texas to, uh, to hold serve. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit. I want to switch back to the team for a second and go back to a question that, that, uh, somebody left on the inside Texas message boards for us to try to answer tonight, uh, Jerry. And that's, that's this. What are y'all's updated ceiling and floor projections for the team after week four? And how would each impact recruiting? Um, my ceiling is eight and four. It, it hasn't really changed. Um, I, I, I was nine and three-ish, I guess, before the Tech game. I, you know, you guys know how big I thought the Tech game was for just that projectable ceiling. Uh, floor is even six and six right now after that game. I just think Texas is going to play a lot better teams than Texas Tech, honestly. I think Texas Tech is a good – they're going to improve. They're going to play with energy. It's Joey McGuire. Look, I covered his teams a long time at Cedar Hill. I get it. That was the Super Bowl 
for, for Texas Tech. That always aligns when Texas comes to Lubbock, right? And that Chris Beard hate and the SEC hate and the Big 12, all of it, right? I mean, it's it's big stuff, um, obviously, uh, afterwards in the locker room. Um, but uh, with that being said, there's better teams on the schedule. And I think Texas season comes down to two things right now. I really believe this. Does Quinn Ewers, when he gets back on the field, and that needs to be this week, does he play at close to the level he did early against Alabama? Because if he does that, Texas can still beat everybody, even if you're not a great defensive team. Because he was just being in the stands that day, that looked like a a first-round pick at quarterback. And if you have one of those, it's going to be hard not to win eight games, Um, especially in the Big 12. So – and then it's just, can you get people off the field? I mean, can you, you know, look, Texas has to do a better job of that, you know, in the run game, right, and controlling the clock a little bit more on the offensive side. But I think when Quinn Ewers, it opens everything up. I really think it's a different team, and, and it's a team that can outscore people enough to win eight games. So that's the key to me. When Quinn's back, what level does he play at? Because I think he's a different level quarterback than Texas has had since Colt McCoy left. I, I would agree um, with you. Throwing the ball. Throwing the ball. Don't want to take anything away from Sam. I'm throwing the ball. Yeah, I. you know, I was – I thought that I, – I adjusted my ceiling up last week um, because I, I thought that Texas had something going on defense a little bit more than they do. Right. Uh, it's, it's pretty clear to me that the defense is better, but the defense is almost void of playmakers. Nobody is a, a difference maker on the defense right now. I, I see the, the, they're playing fine up front, but they're not getting to the quarterback. What, they're and, and stopping the run. They're stopping the run, but they're not stopping the short passing game. So yeah. people are just opting to go to the short passing game. Um, and, and that's that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it in the Big Twelve. I mean, you know, they will they will do that all day long and twice on Sunday or Saturday in this case. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like it affects the the um, I feel like it affects their their upside immensely. I look, I mean, there's no easy games left in the Big 12. Who do you think's easy that's left? That, uh, no, there's not, not. No, nobody. I mean, the, yeah. as of right now, I mean, if, if Hudson Card remains your starter, he's I think he's I don't know that he's won a Big power 12 five. game. Yeah. Against a power five opponent. yeah. Against a power five opponent. So not trying to be mean it's just when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At what point um, the offensive line is young, they can't move people. They can't dominate a game with two freshmen, a sophomore, and a junior. Um, and just one, I mean, you, it's just not going to happen. Um, as good as B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are, that it doesn't work that way. And I, I think my question for you in, in, is really, uh, you know, where do I adjust it? I mean, I could <laughs> look, Texas could not have a great year. It looks like right now, am I saying that that's, what's going to happen? No. Uh, but part of what, uh, concerns me with this team is I, I, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel may be very well Quinn Ewers, 
Um, but I didn't see much of a light against Texas Tech because the the defense gave gave way too much ground, not just passing, period. Uh, made mental mistakes, third and 26, and they're offsides. Um, you know, just small things um, like that add up, and you're getting ready to go play. Uh, not only are you playing West Virginia this week, but then you go um, you go uh, play Oklahoma and Dallas. Then you got teams like Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor. Those, those are all pretty good football teams. I mean, and uh, so Texas has got to, you know, either they – get out of this themselves and, you know, wake up or it's going to be a long season. Um, and I, I don't, I hope, I hope it's not. Right. Um, but let, let's, let's, t- let well, me ask you well, this. Well, Bobby, one of the things I looked at before you get to that was, you know, if you look at a, and I've been picking Jalen Ford to be the guy defensively because I mean, he has to be because the Texas defensive front, and I've said this for two years, seasons now, it's the most talented group on the on the defense um last year they played a little more read and mirror scheme right so it's not that's not on you know Bo Davis or anything right and um but they're not getting enough tackles in the backfield tackles for loss disruptions Jalen Ford has 38 tackles in the last three games that's too many tackles for him and it's easy to say well he's going to average 12 a game because he has to and that's even not playing perfect football, right? I don't know what his PFF grade is, but I mean, 38 tackles in three games is he's having to make too many tackles. That means you're not disruptive enough in your front, in your front four and at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I I feel like that's part of it. Um, and I also think that there's stats out there saying, Oh, well, Texas affected the passer and got pass rush X amount of times, you know, there, did they, I mean, it, you know, I, I know there were some key plays where the, the tech quarterback made some, Excellent throws, um, but frankly, I mean, they're not they're not getting sacks. Um, they didn't against Frank Harris, and we thought it was because he was Houdini, right? right. Um, he had a special ability to to evade pass rushers. Well, Donovan Smith's not Houdini, um, but he still got the ball out um, and found open receivers underneath on the regular. Um, and so, you know, I I think that that. Something that that I talk about and that, that I wanted to mention to you, Jerry, is, you know, Texas does not, in my opinion, play comp- complementary style football to its offense to its defense. So what I mean by that is its offense is built to be quick strike, you know, uh, big plays. Sark likes to throw the ball downfield if he gets the opportunity. Their defense is, allows the other team to hunt and peck. Yep. So by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, if you're not hitting the big plays on offense and you can't run the ball with regularity because you have um, a young offensive line and they're they're the other team's loading the box, it, it's it's like a it's like a game it's like game theory and the game theory doesn't work in your favor. Right. Yeah. You your your defense is on the field too long. Time of possession, snaps, and. Then when it comes time to stop the run late in the game, you can't do it. I mean, you just don't have the legs to do it. And and it, to, Bobby, I think you're spot on. Um, is that it's almost it, risk reward offense ha, almost has to be a risk reward defense. And then you know we'll let the cards fall where they may and get back out there and have another offensive possession. Uh, but you, you're 100 right. Is I mean it, you can't have that many three and outs on offense, not be able to run the ball, 
and then a defense plays a bend don't break style essentially uh, because you're sitting there and, and you're lopsided. I mean, I, I don't know what the total plays were for the last two weeks, but I'm guessing it was pretty lopsided. I'm, I'm get. I mean, obviously Tech ran over 90 plays in that game. 100. 100. 100. That's I lost count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think my point to you um, and, and to the folks listening is that there's got to be a way uh, for Texas to alter its style. It didn't work last year, right? They look better on defense on the whole. I mean, there are no – I will give them this. Maybe there were one or two coverage busts against Texas Tech. Um, one on the rail route and one on the uh, tight end going down the seam, maybe. But beyond that, they, they're not giving up these big plays that they were a year ago. At the same time, Jerry, they're not making big plays. Now, that's the thing. You know, and and so, um, you know, where where is that going to come from and who's going to do it? You know, do they have anybody that can or is it is it the scheme that that uh, – comes up short and I'm I'm the, I'm of the opinion that it right now it's not it's not all scheme. I think there's there needs to be some more aggression there, but some of this is, you know, there there are plays to be made. There are sacks to be made that that people could have made on on Saturday and you know, they didn't get enough rush from the outside in my opinion. Ovi and and Baron Sorrell are um strong and and good players, but they're not great pass rushers. Uh, Sorrell's young still. I mean, he's a true sophomore. Right. Uh, Ovi has never been a great pass rusher. Um, and so we're looking at this wondering, you know, what is the light at the end of the tunnel and what does it look like? Uh, you know, I'm I'm genuinely concerned about uh, where we're going to be looking at, what this team's going to be looking like come late October, early November. And I'll, I got to say this too, and this is not making excuses, right? But I do think it's part of the equation that, you know, um, Texas had a little rough injury luck, too. I mean, look, it, when you're a program that's building and you go into a season and you say, okay, we have Bijan Robinson, Isaiah Nayor, Xavier Worthy, and Quinn Ewers, um, and this Sanders guy's really coming on, okay, we're going to be able to score a lot of points and beat a lot of people, even with a young offensive line. Well, Nayor's down before the season. Now Ewers is down. I mean, that definitely – Cut you at the knees a little bit. So Texas has Sark has not had good luck on the injury front last year with Whittington going down right because when you're still trying to build a program, you don't have the ideal depth, and you can't lose superstars. You cannot lose your difference makers when you're a program that's building. So at the same time, I agree with everything you said, but Sark's got he's had some bad luck for two years in a row with offensive injuries, and I think that's interesting because it as a play caller when you're building a program, you cannot replace those guys. You go into a season, you've gone the whole season, and you've said, okay, this is what Xavier Worthy can do because of what Isaiah Nair is going to provide with Jordan Whittington on the field. And Quinn Ewers is a guy that can make all the throws, as Sark said, uh, you know, for weeks and weeks. And now the, all the throws is out. Isaiah Nair is out, right? And how does that change things? You've had to move Whittington around, right? And you've had to change everything within your scheme. Um, uh, so they, they've had some bad breaks along the way, but with that being said, they still should be, should have beat tag. Yeah. I want to say this, I, I'm going to take this on real quick. How do you know that we don't have different makers if the defense as a whole isn't properly schemed? That's just, it's not, the defense as a whole is not improperly schemed or coordinated. I, I, I want to, I want to make sure, and I'm not taking 
taking you to task here, Jeff. It, it's it's that they are they look like a well coordinated defense right now. They look like they're in the spots they're supposed to be. They're not making the plays. This isn't last year at times. I may have agreed with Jeff. They were discombobulated would be the best way to put it. They, they, you just didn't know which way was up. They'd get scored on in one play or 10 plays. It just didn't matter. Um, this year they're, they're tighter. They're playing better. Uh, they're coordinated. And the reason you know that there, there are no playmakers right now, because none of them are making plays. None of them are making plus plays. They're pushing the pocket. So I, I, I would say that the interior guys are probably pushing the pocket. Byron Murphy is making some plays against the run. He's the only defensive lineman, I think, that's really playing and, and making tackles, to your point, Jerry. Um, right? It, it's that, you know, where is – Jaron Thompson hasn't found the ball. Anthony Tomp, Anthony Cook hasn't found the ball this year. Um, the, the one interception that Jade Barrett had came right to him. I mean, it wasn't a great Certainly break on the Jameson, ball. Tip ball for Jamison. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great break on the ball or something. Uh, have you seen a sack that just made you go, wow, right. this year? The uh, Alfred Collins him. moments his freshman year have not happened. Right. That, that's exactly right. And so um, I feel like that's the question um, I have uh, more so than the coordination. Look, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Jerry's stat from earlier that any starting quarterback that throws the ball more than 30 times against Steve Sarkeesian, Texas is one and eight. I mean, that, what do you, if you're, I mean, what do you do if you're, if you see that and you're an opponent? I mean, I'm going to throw it 40. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's just a, you know, I want to go look um, and find out real quick what West Virginia, how many times West Virginia has thrown it this year um, and how many times they threw it against um, well, JT Daniels. Is, uh, JT Daniels is probably putting it up 31, 32 times a game. He has to be. Oh, more than that. I think it's more than that. I think um, I know that he, it was 30. I, I know he was always oh, 20 of 30 last week. Yeah. So 20 of 30 against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has a top 10 defense in the country rated. And West Virginia put 33 points on. Yeah. One of, was a, one of them was an interception return. So really 27 points. But Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, J JT Daniels averaging about 34 attempts a game, a little 34 and a third. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. And so that's that's what uh, Sark and Pete Kwiatkowski and Gary Patterson – are up against and they need to find a, a find an answer because right now they're not, it's not there. Well, and, and, I, and let's get in this West Virginia with JT Daniels this is a great discussion. We've, we've watched JT Daniels at three colleges now over what, four years. And here it's pretty simple with him. If you get people in his face and force him to move his feet, he's not really shown he'll beat you. But it, again, and it goes to Texas weakness. If you don't sack him, and he can step into throws, 
he will make the throws. And he's been like that since high school as a highly ranked kid uh, because he's not a – I would say he's a straight pocket guy, doesn't have a lot of functional athleticism. So if you can't get him out of his comfort zone, then he is going to – he will make accurate throws against you. And that's kind of Texas's weakness, right? They're going to have to do something to disrupt him and get those feet moving laterally. And if they do it, they'll be successful. If not, he'll – I mean, look, look, the guy – Kansas is undefeated, and he threw for 370 on him in overtime. He made plays against Kansas. And Kansas is playing really good football. You can hand that guy the national coach of the year and move on right now. <laughs> I don't care if he doesn't win another game. Well, he he may he may be moving on to Nebraska from the sounds of it. That, that, may, that may be a real possibility. Um, look, we we can talk about this until we're blue in the face. I think the the reality of it is is that there are two things that that uh, have to change. Um, the defense has to get off the field and cannot allow themselves to just be, uh, you know, bludgeoned over time to where they're you know, dragging tail in the fourth quarter and unable to make those big plays in the first place. Um, and on offense, um, they have to remain multiple late into the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it felt like Sark wanted to force the run, um, which makes sense. But when you have an inexperienced young offensive line, force even if you have B. John Robinson, it ain't going to work. You know, it's not going to work to the level of it, not when you're not when your defense is allowing 34 points. Right. Of those 34 points, let's be clear, too. Only one of them was a relatively cheap touchdown. And that was the 30 yard drive after the pump. So yep. it's not like this was a 34 points that got scored on them that was, you know, somehow, uh, you know, jaded or whatever. But they, they scored 34 right. legitimate points. It wasn't a punt return or a kick return or an interception return. Um, and so to me, uh, usually when you get up to that amount, you're thinking that, that the, they scored in another, another way. They didn't. And so that the defense has got to do it, but the offense has to do that as well. The offense can't be three and out, three and out, five and out in the third quarter and fourth quarter uh, after the defense has already played 70 plus plays going into the fourth quarter. It's just not a recipe uh, for sustained success. Uh, so I want to say thank you uh, real quick. We got uh, another 30 minutes here on this, so please stay with us. But uh, I want to take a small minute here to uh, thank our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. www.energytexas.com uh, for Texas electricity done right. Jerry, a couple of recruiting questions I want to hit uh, for you right now. Can you give us an update on Kyle Parker? Yeah, Kyle Parker, uh, Texas has been in content, uh, contact with him. That's uh, remained the same. Um, look, he's a guy Brennan Marion offered way back at Pittsburgh. Uh, Marion came to Texas, offered him. Texas went a different direction, uh, but Marion stayed in contact with him a lot recently. Uh, Parker remains committed to LSU. I think the interesting thing is where does Texas go at receiver? We talked about it earlier uh, today, but I think DeAndre Moore is the top guy at right receiver. And I think after that, it's Kyle Parker and Harrison Pilot. 
Um, I, I know I, I can tell you this. I mean, if Kyle Parker ended up at Texas, the wide receivers coach would be very happy. I mean, I, I think he's obviously a big fan of Kyle Parker uh, and for good reason. Uh, pa Parker's having a tremendous season at 20 plus catches for 300 plus yards in one game this year. Um, but he, I, I think he is a really solid prospect. I think he is easily good enough to play at Texas. Um, and, but I think the issue there is DeAndre Moore is, is probably the top target at wide receiver right now. I, I got you. Um, looking at some of this, um, uh, commentary and, and as it relates to recruiting, Jerry, you and I on, uh, the recruiting breakdown, uh, earlier today, we talked about the portal and what Texas is trying to do there. Um, your your over overall thoughts on the portal and what what uh, Texas needs to try to attempt to do there. Um, you and I both think it has to be defense heavy oh, at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh, I, I think you know. Look, I like the young edge guys in the program. I, I you know Sorrell obviously speaks for himself, but Ethan Burke. I think wait until you see Ethan Burke next year. Tap next year, who's shown Flash a really good athlete, right? Um, but you, they still need an experienced guy. If they could get an experienced guy, I mean, you're not going to go get the verse kid at FSU, right? I mean, everybody got in late on him. The Texas tried. Credit the FSU for getting in on that one early. Chances are you aren't going to find somebody that level. But if you can find somebody that's a, a, a really good player, maybe not an NFL draft pick with experience, two or three years experience, I think that helps greatly. I think linebacker, I mean, Tucker Dorsey will be gone. Overshone will be gone. Um, I, I think a linebacker is a position that uh, we'll see Texas be pretty aggressive with in the portal and then a potentially corner. I mean, uh, look, we talked about Ibrahim, Jamison's gone. Um, you know, some young guys in the program are, are Austin Jordan and Terrence Brooks both going to stay at corner long term. We'll see in the spring. Right. Um, chances are one of those guys moves to safety, though, long term. I mean, um, especially if one of them becomes a playmaker at safety, which Texas needs. So we'll see with that. So I look at edge, I look at linebacker, and I look at corner in the portal. Gotcha. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, this is a good a good question or a good thought process. Um, there was a lot to fix after Herman. Who really thought Texas was going to just smoke teams this year? They are light years ahead of where they were last year. They are on the right path. Like here, let me let me ask you. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna there. I think they're improved. Don't don't get me wrong. And and they are with Hudson Card at quarterback. Hudson Card's a better player this year than he was a year ago. Okay. Now Casey Thompson played pretty well when he wasn't injured early, but then reverted. And you know we've seen how he can be up and down in general. The problem I have right now is light years isn't the correct word for me. They're marginally better or um you know not exponentially better just a little bit better and if you're five and seven and lost six of your last seven games that's not enough maybe um they've got to prove that they're more than just marginally better than a year ago in my opinion I, so I, i've got it two sides of the ball i think they're light years better offensively uh, and i think to give credit to sark and that staff um, Quinn Ewers is, I think, the best passing quarterback. I mean, he made throws against Bama. I haven't seen another Texas quarterback make. But, but he's not. He's not on the field. He's right. not on the field. Yeah. But, but, but addressing uh, getting Xavier Worthy, they've uh, getting Nayor out of the portal. I think they've addressed speed in the portal, and I think they've addressed playmaking. 
Um, I think, you know, not immediately moving Jatavion Sanders to edge when he got the Texas, giving him a chance to develop at tight end. The offensive line class they brought in, I think they're light years ahead offensively. And that is probably some due to scheme and some due to improved quarterback play and speed on offense. Defensively, marginally better right now. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and the playmakers that have jumped on on the offensive side of the ball since Sark's gotten to Texas have not on the defensive side of the ball. And the guys that when you looked at Texas and Herman's last year, if you go back to that game against Colorado, yeah, Colorado wasn't very good. But who left that game in that season not thinking Alfred Collins was going to be a first, second, or third-round pick on the defensive line? I mean, he looked like he looked like the most talented defensive lineman, and he was in high school, right? He's the one guy on that defense that Nick Saban truly wanted. Um, but you look now, where is the guy, right? I mean, where is the guy that you looked at and said, there's the NFL guy. There's the guy that Texas hasn't had since a Malcolm Brown, right? Or even before that. He's more talented than a lot of guys are. He's a more talented player than Hassan Ridgeway is, just gifted. But where are those guys defensively? They're not there. Yeah, I I think Alfred Collins, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to speak ill of anybody or anything like that, but he just didn't, he didn't take to the weight room like some people did, Jerry. And you know what? You and I know this. When you play multiple sports in high school, like Alfred did, right? Um, You're not used to necessarily dedicating yourself in the weight room because you're always going to the next sport. And I'm not sure that he understood what it's going to take and still may. I mean, he still doesn't look like he's improved his body that much uh, from his freshman year. And you, you thought when you looked at him as a freshman, go, wow, this is a guy that's just a freshman. What is he going to look like after he really gets at it after the weight room? And maybe it's because he's had a shoulder issue, right? That's that there, there could be mitigating circumstances surrounding this. Um, And I'm not, so I'm not trying to say, Oh, it's all of this or all that, but you're right. It hasn't occurred. And so Texas doesn't have that that guy on defense that everybody just says, wow, got to have that guy. Right? Yeah. What, what would our team look like if we had him? By the way, by the way, I mean, we have a- I, I, I think Texas may have said that about Tyree Wilson last week. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. But, but, like- but who, who, so who is it? Who is it at Texas? Who is it for Texas that everybody looks at? Maybe Byron Murphy at times, but he's not. He He's only a sophomore. He's not a got to have. Right. Right. I, I, the, we have a great producer for this show, by the way. And just sent me this. So let's give him credit. And this is for the Texas fans out there. And, and probably after a tech loss, it's good to hear. <laughs> FSU started 0-4 last year, including a loss at home to Jacksonville State. And for those that watch college football, that was bad, bad, bad in Tallahassee. Won five of the last eight and started 4-0 this year. And, it, and he made up, he brought up a great point. If the players start to believe, it does turn quickly. That's why I thought the Tech game was so big. For, for the team is, you know, if you win that game, you're three and one, you have mojo, you go, you come home and you beat West Virginia. Suddenly you're ranked number nine when you go to Oklahoma, right? You go to the Cotton Bowl to play Oklahoma. So Sark is battling that. And it, it, it's like when you talk to high school coach, a new high school head coaching hire that goes to a program that hasn't had real sustained winning in a while. They always say it's the hardest thing to do, the, the biggest, the hurdle you have to get over is to get the kids to believe they really 
can beat everybody they go up against. And I feel like a little bit that's where Texas is right now. Um, I, and I th- I'm, uh, hopefully Quinn gets back and gives them that shot in the arm and they can get those Alabama memories back more than the Texas Tech memories, right? Um, because I do think it's just interesting how quickly to that point, to our producer's point, how quickly things they just teeter with a program that hasn't had any sustained success on the field. None of us left the Bama game and thought we'd see what we did in Lubbock Saturday. Right. And that's just even that with a backup quarterback to get over for these kids. And they got to get over. Even even with a backup quarterback. Right. Even without Xavier Worthy in the second half. Yep. You, you, you left the Bama game thinking the defense was better. That's right. And now you're wondering, was that fool's gold? Because it wasn't necessarily all that much better against UTSA. Right. I, and I, I think part of it, Bobby, is. If you play a run heavy, Texas defensive line is probably better built for to go up against a run, a big, large human offensive line, right? Yep. I mean, where you can play Tavondre Sweat outside, right? Yep. You can line him up as a five. You can play a four-man front with bigger bodies. You can't do that against UTSA and Texas Tech. Or if you do, that goes back to the risk-reward, right? You can just say, we're going to put our best guys out there and we're going to tell you, just go be a bull in a china shop, right? And then you're running. But Texas, that's not the way they play defensively. So um, I, I think that's interesting that the Texas team, it, the, the, the defensive line, maybe the way they're constructed right now, not through Sarkeesian and them's recruiting, is better built to go up against teams that really have big, large humans on the offensive front. Yeah, and that's I, I think in the Big 12. <laughs> No, I, I think you're right. And I think that the problem that I'm, you know, as I am looking at it right now, um, think back on this. Uh, Texas stopped Alabama's run game. 100%. Other than that one, other than that one long run, Texas mitigate that. It wasn't until Alabama went five wides, which is exactly what um, UTSA did a lot of four wides. Right. Um, and one back. Uh, just 10 personnel. And then you also look at uh, what Texas Tech did with a lot of four wides uh, with a, one running back, or or they, they did a lot of 11 personnel too, but they really spread Texas out. That's it. All, all three of those, and Texas had a problem with all three of them. Once, yeah. once that fourth quarter came around, Texas didn't stop Bryce Young um, when he was the thrower. Uh, Texas – didn't really stop Frank Harris until Frank Harris got woozy from a concussion. Um, Texas did not stop Donovan Smith, except for maybe two series in the second half and the start of the third quarter. Um, and so this is, this is the reality that they have to look at and figure out how to fix. And, you know, Jerry, let me ask you this, where, like, at what point do you say, you know what, Ethan Burke is not as good against the run as what we want. He's not, but I think he might be able to do something for us in the pass rush. At what point does a coach say, okay, I've got to try this because what I'm currently doing is just not working. Second quarter in Lubbock. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of my issue is, I mean, that's kind of my deal right there is, I mean, look, Ethan Burke is going to battle and he can't play every snap. Look, he's a freshman, but, you have, I think Ethan Burke has playmaking ability. 
And that goes back to your point. That's the give and take of it, right? And that's the, uh, the how the offense and defenses don't really match. I mean, Ethan Burke is like uh, the offensive player for Sark, right? And he's one of those guys, boom, man, make a big play. Go out there. I guarantee if Ethan Burke had 30 snaps in a game, he's going to make two or three plays in that game. Is he going to is he going to cause you to get gashed maybe and give up a big play? Yeah, but he's going to make plays. He's too good of an athlete, too long arm, too much of a battler, too quick a feet. So I, I, that's going to have to be those decisions that have to be made is at what point, like you said, do you kind of cross that line and say, all right, we may give up something, but we got to get the, the playmakers, the guys that give us the best chance to make plays on the field because what we're doing is not consistently working. Yeah. And, and by the way, and when teams spread you out, Bobby, what does that become? That becomes your defensive backs have to make plays. It goes back to what you said. Yeah, and, there, and there's none back there. I mean, Deshaun Jameson may be the best playmaker back there, but but he's uh, you know, he, he's when you have a play, you got to finish a play. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a fair fair. Jade Barron is the playmaker of that group, right? And he's playing out of nickel position. You can blitz him. He does. He did. He does a lot of good things. But it's interceptions. It's batting a ball at a timely. Uh, the safety coming over to make a play that you weren't expecting him to make. They need when, – when teams spread them out, it becomes a secondary guys making plays, and Texas has to get more of it. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I feel like we're, we're, we're in a, a situation right now where it feels like we're on – ground. it's Groundhog Day. You know, a lot of people saw the same thing a year ago, and we're like, okay, we're getting through this. The, the defense starting to work. That only gave up 20 to Bama, 20 to UTSA. Um, they're starting to get it, but then when they didn't get home, you know, they didn't get home and, and it cost them, it cost them dearly. Uh, Texas had a two touchdown lead in the third quarter uh, against Texas tech ends up losing 37, 34 in overtime, uh, to the red Raiders in Lubbock. Uh, and that's what we're talking about here tonight uh, as well. Jerry, um, you know, we talk about, uh, recruiting right now. Uh, one person wants to know, what does this mean for Arch Manning? You know, I, I, I gotta be honest. Um, Arch Manning didn't make this decision off of one minute or one discussion. Uh, th this is not the typical recruitment that may be swayed by the latest innuendo or the latest win-loss record. Correct. Um, and, and so I think that people need to take that under consideration. That doesn't mean others won't be. But Georgia, Bama, LSU, and Ole Miss were going after him before this hard. They didn't stop, you know, and so uh, is it possible he would go somewhere else? Of course, anything's possible. Is it likely? No. And I think that he he's kind of made his decision and he, he wants to be coached by Steve Sarkeesian first and foremost because Sark's the one that uh, potentially grooms the guys for the NFL. Yeah, and again, I think uh, he made decisions. He made this to Texas decision. Yes, Sark's big. A.J. Milwee's effort was big. Obviously, I think Sark has a lot of the uh, David Cutcliffe type of thing uh, for the Manning family. Uh, but he also made this decision because this is a university he wanted to attend. And there were a lot of reasons for that. He's not the biggest name in Austin. He felt very comfortable in Austin. He is really gets along with the players at Texas. Uh, some He really fits in. He profiles very well with the kids, the Michael Tafts of the world, Connor Robertson, those type of guys. They're, very, they're all so similar. Um, so this decision was, yeah, it was football with Steve Sarkeesian, 
Um, but Yat was also where he wants to go to school. Um, and he's not the biggest name in Austin and he can still have a life outside of it. He's not going to be the biggest name immediately the first day he reports to a, a smaller college town. Uh, so I think all those things led him to Texas. And I look, I think the family loves Austin. Uh, I mean, look, the, the family does business in Austin, right? And has Peyton's done business with Andy Roddick for years now, right? So there's so many things that factor in. And I think there's a w- real respect for the University of Texas and the Manning family. So that was a lot more than just a football decision. Obviously, if the football part had to make sense. Uh, so I don't, I don't think they're in any danger with Arch Manning. Um, I don't think they're in any danger with the offensive players. I think that the hurdle you have to get over is defensive recruiting. I mean, Nick Saban's not going to – he's not going to be calling Arch Manning every day, but he'll call Malik Muhammad every day. And that's the difference. Yeah. All right, I got to ask you this question because I think this is this brings up a, a good one. What do you guys feel about defensive recruits for this cycle? Uh, do you think these guys – like I, I felt unquestionably that Billy Glasscock, the, the uh, personnel director at Texas – did a great job last year of finding guys that played through contract contact uh, really did a good job of effort. Uh, a lot of high effort guys in that class on defense in particular, um, which, you know, Texas has often in the past tried to go for the stars on defense and tried to make them into players sometimes. Whereas I actually think they went more for players than necessarily stars a year ago. Um, what do you think about the defensive recruits in this cycle for Texas? Are they staying somewhat similar to true to form with with what they like? Are they they branching out a little? What's going on? No, I, I like the guys. I mean, Samaje Burrell, I think, is a tremendous Mike linebacker prospect. That's some leadership, has that toughness, that physicality. I think a guy like Jamel Johnson, there's better athletes than he is. But you know what? When you put him around the line of scrimmage, that guy's making plays on Friday night. He's a physical player. He's got good instincts. Um, I think Malik Muhammad is highly rated as Malik Muhammad is. He's a more instinctive field player than he is a great athlete. There's a lot of guys that are better athletes at corner than Muhammad, or and I would say not better, and that's not a slide on Muhammad. He's a really good athlete. But I'm talking, there's guys that will run 4-4-5 out there. He's not going to do that. Um, but he's a really good football player. He's a sound football player with instincts and understands technique. Um, so I like the defensive class. Sadir Mitchell, look, when you go into the SEC, you better have some big bodies. And Sadir Mitchell's that. Um, Dylan Spencer's an upside guy. Darian Gillette, I think, would have had a monster senior season prior to injury. One of the best athletes in the country. You know, look at Billy Walton. Billy Walton's got a little dog in him. He's got some fight in him or some S in his neck, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, but he's got he's got some of that toughness about him. And I, and I like the guys they have committed on defense. Now it's just filling – out the class or in the portal of the class, whatever it's going to be. But I, I see them getting the same guys in this class. I mean, Derek Williams upsides ridiculous. I mean, he through the roof. I mean, he is a high draft pick type of talent. Um, so they're in getting the right guys. Now they, you know, like we said, they have to win the games on the field and then go finish in the recruiting class or in the portal. But there it's nothing's changed from the last class to this class. I think they're getting those same guys, those same mentalities, uh, some really talented players, and a lot of guys that have NFL upside on defense in this class so far. I ask you this question uh, from Manuel Posada. Do you all think that Sark's play calling postscript would be different if the starter with he- was healthy? I, I, I'm, I'm going to answer that and say yes. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, look, I, 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 the downfield passing game, the vertical attack, um, the ability to open up the entire field outside the hash marks and vertically. Um, it, it, Quinn, Quinn's just different like that. 
there's a reason every college in America wanted the guy. He is different. Whether you say he's got a Jeff George arm or whatever you call it, it's different. So, yes, absolutely the case. And I think even we haven't even seen the things Texas had planned this year. I don't even think we've come close to seeing what they've had that in the offseason, what they're planning offensively after they saw Isaiah Nair or what he could do, and they saw Quinn Ewers and confirmed what he could do. I don't think the Texas fans have even come close to seeing what they had plans to do prior to injury. Um, uh, comments here. One, I want to, I just want to take this one real quick uh, because I think it's important. And people are asking about when Billingsley will be back. Uh, I think Mont Chanel is, is right. It's, it's the week after um, uh, the OU game, which is the sixth game of the year. Uh, so there are a couple of comments asking about that. Uh, if you missed us at the top of the show, uh, we mentioned that Ishmael Ibrahim, the backup cornerback, third string cornerback from Dallas Kimball, has been indefinitely suspended from the team today uh, based on a uh, report that he's been allegedly picked up uh, by the UT police department. We don't know what for or anything like that, but this is not his first run in with the law. Uh, and so without making any assertions or any guarantees, it sounds like uh, Ishmael Ibrahim suspended indefinitely. We may know more sooner or later, but uh, it's something for everybody to, to understand right now. Hey, hey, Bobby, I want to hit something else, though. I, I saw a couple of positives in the Tech game, too, that I think will kind of play out the rest of the season. I, I'm well. interested in this because yeah. I did not see much. Yeah. Ajay Hall being on the field, okay, with Nayor out for the year, they need Ajay Hall to come back and make some plays for him. And I do think he's that type of difference maker talent, potentially. He's just got to catch the football. And they've been working on concentration with him. They don't think it's a hands issue as much as a concentration issue. Savion Red was wide open. And Hudson Card overthrew him. I think you're going to see him on the field more, right? Brennan Thompson's had some sickness issues, but you're coming to the point of the season where you're going to start to see some of those other pieces, I think, get on the field. And we're talking more offensively again, but look, I mean, I'm sitting there looking at that game saying, okay, what can I take from that game where Texas can improve this season outside of defensively? And I say, okay, if Hall starts playing more and becomes a part of the offense, that adds a dimension you didn't have prior. Um, and then Savion Red can start making plays. Hey, look, the one time they throw the ball to Tariq Milton, he makes an unbelievable catch. So Quinn Ewers can get him the ball, right? So you, I saw three things at wide receiver that said, okay, Texas is going to get better there as the season goes moves along. They just got to have the guy to hit him in stride. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, that uh, the question I have uh, is that there's no guarantee that Quinn Ewers is the guy this week. I know a lot of people are pointing to it and have been pointing to this week as a possible return prior one week prior to OU. There is absolutely no guarantee. Quinn Ewers practiced, but nobody said he's playing. Um, and the initial reports were four to six weeks. And yeah. this is, I think this is only week three. Yeah. Um, and so just be aware of that. I, I think that uh, if Hudson Card walks out with the ones on Saturday night, it is what it is. And that goes back to what I said about Steve Sarkeesian needing to find a way uh, to make something out of nothing or make make better calls in the second half. The question Manuel uh, Posada asked us, Jerry, is, you know, in some ways, in some ways, it's exactly what you want out of your coach. You want him to have a script that gets you off to a great start. 
but it can't go flat in the second half entirely. And unfortunately, that's what it almost looked like against Texas Tech outside of that one third quarter drive that was uh, topped off with the 40-yard B. John Robinson run. Um, Texas needs more from its offense than 10 points in the second half, three of which came in the last 20 seconds of, of – uh, of uh, Against prevent defense, yeah. I, I will I will say this, and if you want a positive, that's a pretty that, – that that's not necessarily a huge positive, but scoring three points within 20 seconds, I, we've both been around Texas football coaches that couldn't work themselves around a clock to save their lives. Right. So that was that was pro level manage game clock management. I thought from Steve Sarkeesian, no timeouts. That's yep. you know that was pretty strong, Jerry, and it wasn't like it was a short field or something like that. They got themselves in 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 a field goal range. Other things I thought I, I I did think the defensive tackles played well for a positive takeaway. I don't think they're getting they're they're pushing the pocket. But they, I think they're obviously being told to stay in their lanes. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. as not to let a quarterback escape. That may not be the case with someone like JT Daniels. Correct. You're coming after not- him. You're coming after Chapin at Baylor because he doesn't have the guys to throw it down the field to necessarily. There's matchups where you're going after guys, and this Saturday is going to be one of them. You it should be. Yeah, but JT Daniels has guys to throw it to. JT he does. Has so you have to get him off his spot, else he's going to beat your ass. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I get it, and I think that's fair. I think that's what we're talking about. Is you know, you have to make. And Brian Irwin, uh, former head coach that we talked with on Monday, talked about it. You got to make people uncomfortable. That's right. You you can't just let them a the simplest route in the world for a quarterback and a receiver is a throw where the receiver's jersey number is staring straight at you and he's not moving yeah and texas allowed too many of those types of completions uh on saturday against texas tech well Uh, and and i'm gonna equate i'm gonna throw that into a basketball thing too if you ask tj ford and i've had this discussion with him so many times the guy who made him most uncomfortable, the best point guard in America, he won the Naismith in the Wooden, was Freddie Williams in practice because he would get up under him. Most people would back off TJ. Whoa, I, this guy's so quick. No, Freddie Williams got up in his stuff and made him uncomfortable and made him have to work, have to work every day. And TJ's like, I got that better in practice than I ever got it in the game. Because he said a lot of people would back off because of my quickness. To that point, you have to make guys uncomfortable. You have to. All right. Um, I, I need to say thanks to our sponsor uh, one final time. Then I have a couple more questions, uh, Jerry, for you. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union, and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power, www.energytexas.com. Jerry, uh, take your crystal ball out, rub it rub it off, polish it up. Tell me what you think about this weekend's game. I got 41-33 Texas. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be a high-scoring game, man. Yeah, I, I, I think I – think- you know, I could be wrong. I think Quinn will end up playing. Um, I, I think I've seen enough offensively. I think the offensive line, the young guys will keep getting better. And look, coming off a loss, 
Um, if this team's not motivated to go out and win a 41-33 game, then I don't know what to tell you. But this team should be plenty motivated come Saturday. I mean, that's um, the defense should be motivated. I actually like this matchup better for Texas. I think West Virginia's going to score. I like the matchup better because JT Daniels is a pocket guy. I think Texas is going to fare better against pocket guys than they are against a guy like a Donovan Smith. And Adrian Martinez actually scares me against Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Daniels, if you get pressure on him, I think you can, I, I think Texas can affect him. Yeah. I, I, I think that's totally fair. That's where Adrian Martinez is one of those guys that you have to, you play a little bit like Donovan Smith, but he's not as good a thrower as Donovan Smith. Right. right. But he may be in ways a more dangerous runner because that kid is fast now. Oh, no, he took off against OU now. Yeah. yeah. You and I saw the same thing. All right, um, other question, recruiting-based. Uh, um, Texas right now, a little bit of a lull in recruiting, mm-hmm. but they don't have many guys left on the board. Right. Um, and so, you know, as you're thinking about it, timeline-wise, are we talking about into October easily, mid-October, late October, before we see the next domino in recruiting? Yeah, I, I think so. Unless, uh, you know, unless a wide receiver pops up and commits, I, I really think that's where we're at right now. You know, Texas is still in the battle on guys committed to other schools. A Colton Vosick, Texas at Terrence Green at Cy Woods game Friday, right? Um, they're staying in. Con- I mean, Jordan Hall, you're trying to get him on campus, who's a national kid. So I think you know you still contact Braylon Shelby, but I don't think that one's going anywhere. Um, I'm not saying he won't show up in Austin for a game this year, but I just think that's such a long shot. So Texas, if if we learned anything in the 2022 cycle, uh, Texas has made one senior year offer, Warren Roberson at safety, which I think was a great and smart offer. But other than that, they're staying on their guys. And we watched this last year in the 2022 class, and that makes recruiting go to November and December uh, because you're still working on those guys. You're going to get those guys on campus after the season see what happens with this coaching carousel and kind of chip away over time, especially if there's a mom or two that prefer a little Johnny stay home at the end of the day when it, when you're two weeks away from signing a letter of intent that's a plane flight away. Hey, so, when, what is, what is, when's Marcus Deal's uh, ETA? Marcus Deal, I don't think, does anything till December. I, I think that's another one. It's gonna He'll be at the TCU-Oklahoma game at TCU this weekend. I, he'll be on campus at Oklahoma later this season. I think he'll take his last official visit to Texas, barring a change, and that could be Texas' big weekend in December, whenever that is before signing day. So unless his timeline changes, and this kid is one, he's he's like Harrison Pilot. He hasn't backed off his timeline. I mean, he just has not. So I think this one's going to go um, until November, December, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's that's the thing is Texas has a lot of November, December, December battles in front of them. That's to keep some guys committed, and that's to add to the class. And it's just it's playing out just like the 2022 class did. It's going to be like, say, recruit through the whistle, which is kind of funny that people use that now. But you recruit through the whistle until the early signing period. And I think that's what the staff is going to do. And I think college football set up that way for the Blue Bloods because you should get you can just go to the portal and get five or six guys. Now, portal recruiting is going to be more interesting this year, like we've talked about. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um Final question here, and I'm going to take this. Will okay. Quinn return against W uh, West Virginia? The answer is we don't know. I mean, that bottom line, right, Jerry? We'd like to say that we know he took snaps in practice. Everybody knows that. So did Hudson Carr. Um, but Will Quinn, yours return against West Virginia? We don't know. Um, and so uh, fair, fair question. If I wish that uh, 
we could uh, find out exactly what is going on there. Uh, but, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is going to be uh, pretty straightforward uh, as it relates to that, you know. So I feel like that's that's something that we need or not be straightforward, going to be pretty uh, non-straightforward about it and not tell people what exactly what he's thinking or what's available to him. Um, I want to say, uh, for those of you that aren't subscribers to Inside Texas, thank you guys for joining us as well. Uh, Jerry and I are at Inside Texas along with Eric Nalin, uh, Joe Cook, Justin Wells, Paul Wadlington, uh, and Ian Boyd. Uh, we have a special right now, $1 for one month of subscription at Inside Texas. Uh, Eric Nalin and I, the publisher of Inside Texas, will be on tomorrow with our state of the program. I know we're going to talk a little bit about the, the defense and the offense and where Texas is right now as a program as a whole uh, for uh, the folks here on YouTube and on Texas football. For Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been Longhorn Livestream.